0: Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and...
1: Me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And on the turntable this week, we've got drama from Bananarama. You're a poet and you
0: didn't even know it. <laughs> There's many words. You can. We can talk about llamas later, pyjamas.
1: It can go on. In the Bahamas. Well, absolutely. So, Bananarama. Um, big group to talk about. I I think one we considered for Girl Band Month way back in November now. Yes, absolutely. Um, But I think we wanted them to stand alone as the powerful female duo, formerly Trio, that they are.
0: Formerly Trio and Trio again, and then Trio more recently. (laughs) Um, But this fell at the perfect, with the announcement of this album, Drama and Viva, being reissued and expanded uh, and released at the end of this week... Uh, it seemed like the perfect time, didn't it?
1: And I'm genuinely very excited, actually, to hear some B sides, uh, twelve different remixes of uh, "Moving My moving Direction." My... <laughs> um, but no, there's there are some some rare remixes and B sides, um, as well as a lovely repackaging of both CDs. Uh, so for any big Banana Rama fans, of which there are many out there, um, Friday this week is going to be an exciting day.
0: And they are, actually, if we think before we even dive into the album, let's just talk about the fact that Bananarama, um, in some ways, are the most
1: successful girl group of all time. They've been going since 1981 in various different forms. Uh, so 1981, it was um, Sarah and Karen, who are still with us today, and Siobhan. Who hasn't died, which should be quite clear. Uh, she went off, Shakespeare's Sister. Wonderful music well, there. Well, absolutely. And so 1981... Um, Nearly as old as me, actually, Bananarama as a group. They're not that old. <laughs> and so everyone remembers some of the big, significant Bananarama hits. Venus. Nana. Hey, hey. Kiss him goodbye. Robert De Niro's waiting.
0: Love in the first degree. I had a rumour. Really saying something. Uh, Cruel Summer Cruel Summer That's my favourite I think
1: Uh, Cruel Summer, great by Rama. I did like the Ace of Base cover that also came about in It doesn't come as a
0: complete surprise I have to be
1: honest What's that supposed to mean? To paraphrase Elaine Page and Barbara Dixon I know you so well I could just imagine us doing a a Elaine Page and Barbara Dixon style duet Also, second reference since we're doing this podcast For Elaine Page and Barbara Dixon Yes,
0: when are we going to do the
1: chess soundtrack? We were penciled in for uh, August. <laughs> uh, so drama uh, came much later in the in the career of Bananarama when they were a duo. This was a big comeback for them in 2005.
0: Yes, I remember this being a huge comeback. I remember watching a music channel quite late at night with The Box or something like that. And this came on. And of course, I was aware of Bananarama. How old would I have been at 2005? 19, I think, when this when this album came out. I was aware of Bananarama because my mum and dad loved eighties music. I think I had an uh, an inkling that they were still going, but when I saw this, I thought, "Wow, they're really." I, even before it was released, because of course the music video came out a few weeks before back then, had a good feeling about this, uh, and of course it did become their first top
1: twenty single for many, many years. And it, there was a big, yeah, it was a big buzz at the time as well. I remember you, you heard a lot of music from this album. Um, yeah, on 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 the radio, I remember Radio Two in particular, big fans. Um, in the pubs and the clubs as well, yes. and I think this album and the next out, the following album of Viva, were very very well received by fans. But also certain tracks were um, in the public consciousness wider as well.
0: Yeah, and it's also worth mentioning these two albums are being reissued together. They did come a couple of years apart, but actually Drama was the first album to be released in the UK for twelve years by the band, there was an album around about 10 years before drama that was, I believe was released
1: in other territories, which is such a shame that it wasn't released in their, in their home turf. And Viva followed, um, it was in 2011.
0: So Will, what are your memories of this album being released? And were you waiting for it? Were you a fan of Bananarama?
1: I've, or, I mean, any pop fan doesn't love Bananarama. You know, they come from a Uh, a halcyon day of pop music when you think about the other acts are around through the 80s and the early 90s. Um, So for me, I was really excited to hear new music, particularly because they really tapped into the sound of pop music in 2005, the producers that they work with. It was a very relevant current um, dance pop album. Probably Viva went even further with that. um, But this was it was. I, lo- I love this album, and we listening to it over the last week in preparation for today. Um, we got some good stuff to talk about. And they said shit. Then don't want to swear. <laughs> like, oh, there I said it. it. Oh. I guess we've teased enough. We should probably get into it a little bit now. Absolutely. So track one is the
0: first single released from the album. Move in my direction. <laughs>
1: moving my direction that was the comeback single a big comeback and there was a big build-up to the release of the album starting with this single and um a, a strong a strong first single to come back with it sounds it's it sounds like bananarama but with a modern twist and i just couldn't help think about uh, i can't get you out of my head yeah through that 100 percent by Kylie. when i remember when
0: this came out and i I, I started to hear the song a couple of times. I really did think, wow, this is this could have been a single by Kylie. And I really hoped that this would do to, do for Ben um what Kylie's sort of comeback did for her. Um, I don't think it was quite as successful. And I don't think they'd have wanted it to be. They're very uh, well-grounded girls, I think mm. I get the impression. Uh, but yes, I, w- I went into the local record shop back home, Pendulum Records, for any fans from back home from retford is Um, it still there sadly not it didn't survive the um recession recession yes and what is it now a charity
1: shop it was either going to be that or a coffee shop
0: yes and we've already got a costa back there i remember talking to the lady in the shop about this picking up the album i think it was the only copy they had in there on the date and the week it was released and saying doesn't it sound like kylie she was a big fan
1: from back in the 80s so we had a nice little chat about that you, know, you see, that's what you don't get on uh, buying a CD in a supermarket these days or oh. or uh, streaming something online. Just that sort of repartee with your uh, local salesperson. A banter. Yes, it's uh, yeah, very nice. Uh, so, you know, a very big fan of this one when it came back. As we said earlier, there are many, many remixes. Plenty, a plethora. Uh, yes, but for me... Often you know, a remix can come along and just bring a song further to life, but for me it was all about this radio version. Yeah, definitely. And do you remember the video? I can't remember the video. I seem to remember the
0: girls sort of meandering around LA or somewhere like that. I think they had frocks or sort of tutus on or something like that. Um, this could all be in my head, to be quite no, honest. No, it with does you. ring a bell now. Yeah. What I like about this one is you quite often hear the girls singing in unison, and they are quite famous for you know, not particularly harmonising, but just singing the track together. But in this, towards the end particularly, you get to hear the two different vocals going on and like,
1: sort of overlay each other. I really like that moment. So let's carry on then to track two, uh, which is also single two. Lovely. Uh, look on the floor, brackets. Hypnotic Tango. That was the top 26 single, Look on the Floor, Hypnotic Tango.
0: And um, whereabouts in the top 26 did it chart? Uh, number 26. Oh, well, fantastic. Still, what? Uh, not a lot of bands who formed so long ago and have been going on forever and took such a break in the UK charts could have had such an impact.
1: So well done to them, I think. Yes, indeed. And it was a big hit in the dance charts at the time as well. Yes. Uh, their biggest dance hit since Venus. In the US. Yes. So, uh... That, I love the chorus in that song, bittersweet. Yes. Uh, but it's um, it's a lovely melody there.
0: It really is. Just that whole, you know, the fact is it says in the title, it is a tango. Um, do you know what would be fantastic, actually? Oh, I seeing, think I know what you're going to say. Seeing one of the couples from Strictly. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, perhaps what should have happened, if this reissue had come out in around November time, December time, and they performed this on there as one of the couples did a, a dance to it. That would have been a real magic moment, I think.
2: Do you
1: know what? I could just see one of the girls competing in Strictly. Well, I... You can imagine Sarah and Karen all doled up to the nines. Uh, lovely track. Um, it, really, it does have a second single off the album feel to it.
0: Yeah. And that's uh, not a bad
1: thing. No, it's a nice continuation mm. of, of the previous song. And I think what's great
0: to point out that from the previous track, from here and throughout the album the girls have had a play in the songwriting of all these tracks
1: and well actually we'll get into the next track and we'll talk about who's on writing producing credits Um, because we might see a familiar name and it's not Stuart Price (laughs) have we mentioned him this year yet (laughs) no happy new year Stuart Price (laughs) hope you're well hon Uh, so let's move on to track number three now which is Waterfall So that was Waterfall, and before we get into talking about Waterfall, Dan, I've got a Strictly uh, Bananarama update for you. Fantastic. Uh, On the 5th of November, uh, 2011, uh, the girls were in the audience at Strictly Come Dancing and pictured on camera a number of times. 2011?
0: Yes. Well, they must be fans of the show, because I'm quite sure I saw a photo of them from the last series on Twitter. So perhaps they're... Edging their way there They're just kind of You know They're invited to see Test the waters
1: The waterfall Find a curry favour With the producers By Mm. looking enthusiastic In the audience Uh, Also in 2016 Laura Whitmore and Giovanni Danced the cha-cha To Venus And didn't they do well (laughs) So waterfall Yes I really like this one Actually, Slow electro jam there Yes A little
0: Sort of sophisticated Pop ballad I think it actually Falls into the category of pop music that we've touched upon before, things like going way back in our episodes to Rachel Stevens and that sort of We talk about pop music being quite a, quite a um, respected, sophisticated thing, <clears throat> which I think they've done here uh, in the same way that Kylie does as well. And also, yeah. it's not a million miles away from Goldfrap, actually, I think, a, a band that I'm sure will come on to talk about
2: at some in point. In due course. Yes.
1: Dan, I'm going to have to stop you there. Oh. Uh, I've got another... Banana Rama strictly update for you. Are these gonna
0: come in thick and fast? Uh, <laughs>
1: yes. Um, this one's a doozy, actually. So, um, in the '80s, Banana Rama's choreographer was none other I than I know who you're gonna say Bruno Tonleone. Yes. Yes. St- flamboyant Strictly judge and friend of the girls, Bruno. So uh, and that's it now. And friend of the podcast, perhaps <laughs> after this episode goes out. You never know. We never do know. Uh, Track 4 now is definitely not a filler, um, and it's a little belter actually. This is track 4 and its frequency. Frequency there, um, and a real shot of energy there after waterfall. I love how waterfall did slow it down because it didn't take
0: it to you know it wasn't this out of nowhere acoustic guitar coming into the mix. It was you know still kept the electronics going but just turned the tempo down a little bit and frequency. Yeah, picks it up. I could I could well imagine them playing this live, you know, to their super fans and they have got a very strong fan base and this being a moment to kind of lose yourself a little bit too. talking of seeing them live, this is probably a fantastic time to talk about when we saw them live a couple of years ago.
1: So, yeah, we did, back in 2017, uh, with Siobhan, so there's the three of them, um, but it's an absolute treat, actually. Um, it was just such a amazing energy at the Hammersmith Apollo.
0: Yes, and those, mentioned those fans, and they their fans are huge fans. I've never seen a gig like that before, I don't think, where from the second the girls walked out everyone on the balcony on the floor stood up and no one sat down again until well no one stood, sat down again
1: all night and it was a great it was a great gig i think they definitely i mean well they definitely played a lot of their more classic songs so there wasn't really anything from now from Nothing drama from viva no
0: and in fact i think they did say on the night there was only one song that wasn't recorded with Siobhan. the rest were all with her so all pre 1990 was it when she left or something like that. Um, so it will be great actually. I'm sure there's a new album coming. I'm sure there's going to be a tour coming. It'd be great for you and I to go and, you know, fingers crossed to ho- hear some of these tracks.
1: That would be great. Yeah. It'd be really nice. Well, let's let's pencil a date in.
0: Oh, no we've got to wait for the girls first, haven't we? Or
1: <laughs> well, we could let them know when we're available. Yes. Uh, to see a London gig. Well, how does Friday week sound for you? Oh, I'm busy I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm recording a podcast. Oh, yes. Here <laughs> <laughs> with uh, that's my other one.
2: Hmm.
0: With frequency as well, I think one of the things that stood out to me is when it begins, it's almost got a bit more of a rocky edge to it as well. The electronics are there, but there's also a bit of a rock thing going on. It doesn't sound, to me, a million miles away from something like Garbage or Republica. Did you pick up on that at all? Or do you, do you hear No, I, I hadn't, really
1: had, hadn't really heard that, mm-hmm. um, but um, it's a valid opinion, so... Well, you, they all are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it's the drums, the drum, the electronics. Are there, the drums kicking. You can hear the electric guitar a little bit more. Um, have a listen to it next time, or when you listen to this
1: episode. So we're on to the next track now, which is track number five, which is "Feel for You." you can't deny it's me you're looking for. For you, there it has the most infectious earworm of a chorus. Yes, really does. And again,
0: the girls' vocals doing more of a bit more of an airy, light thing than they you might normally expect them to do. But really fits in nicely with the with the style of song. The kind of really fits, in. sits on top or layers over the electronics. I think
1: you might even call it slightly ethereal. Well,
0: ethereal. Now you said that, I absolutely will. Interestingly, earlier on, you sort of. Had a premonition that Ian Masterson
1: might work on a new album. Funnily enough, I believe he had a hand in this one. Well, that's why I mentioned him, and also he's got a, an even bigger hand in the in the follow up album, Viva Banana as well. And I think he's worked with quite a few of the other acts we've spoken about and may
0: well speak about later. He's um, very close to the Minoges. Yes, Girls Allowed, Jerry Hall, Well Pet Shop Boys, and of course an album we're going to talk about very soon, uh, Atomic Kitten. <laughs>
1: Uh, he also, I believe, um, now has a hand in the musical arrangements for Strictly, funnily enough. Does he really? It,
0: yeah. It's very interesting, because I do know that he does some film scores.
1: And we'd love to talk to Ian, actually, because I'm sure he's got plenty of stories to
0: tell. Well, Ian, if you are listening, we'd love to talk to you about some of the other albums you've worked on. Maybe have you on as a little guest.
1: And uh, certainly Cher's producers were very forthcoming with some insights, so consider the gauntlet and the offer thrown down
0: yes so on to track number six now and this is something you do to me quite often actually this is don't step on my groove
1: So, that was Don't Step On My Groove A bit of a disco track Reminds me of some of the Spice Girls album tracks
0: Oh, like Never Give Up On The Good yeah, Times Yeah, so, a little yeah, bit a little more disco Which, hopefully they'll play on tour this year um, Famously, not famously But they didn't play a lot of their album tracks on the previous tour uh, To the dismay of some superfans, myself included
1: like, well, Isn't everyone that's going to go and see the Spice Girls this year a super fan? Well, actually, a very good point, yeah this song, um,
0: yes, 70s, uh, I'd love to hear them actually. Listen to this Maybe think I'd really love to hear them collaborate with Niall Rogers.
1: Oh, that'd be an interesting one. Mm.
0: Two icons, you know, he's worked with big names since he started back in the 70s and, you know, worked throughout the 80s, obviously skipped Banana Arm. I'm sure their paths just didn't cross at the time, but yeah, I think that'd be a great collaboration.
1: Do you know what, now you mentioned one of my favourite things musically from the latter part of last year... Was Lady Gaga's um, collaboration with Nile Rodgers on his most recent album? Yeah, and the cover that cover.
0: That was a fantastic cover, it really mm. was. Yeah, she brought it. She gave it a new lease of life, I think.
1: I saw you letting yourself go to that one. Where was that? I saw you letting yourself down to that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, not my favourite track on the album, so I will mention briefly the fantastic album artwork. And it looks like the girls have just come off stage at Top of the Pops and sat down on the stairs after a stunning live performance Mm. Um, and just sort of staring then wistfully at the camera.
0: Yeah. In fact, it looks very much like they have sat in the audience at Strictly Come Dancing, actually. Have you got any Strictly Updates for us?
1: Nothing more at this stage. It's traditionally a quiet time of year.
0: So before we leave, don't just have on my groove, I just thought it might be a nice time to point out that one of the co-writers of this is Henrik Korpi, Henrik, Henrik, uh, is a Swedish songwriter, and like Ian Masterson, he's worked with some of the greats that we have talked about and we'll be talking about, I'm sure, at some point in the future. So, Danny Minogue, Jerry Hallowell, uh, Holly Valance, she oh, has some yes. fantastic
1: singles. Before she married a billionaire. Yes. She might be
0: back for the big reunion at some point, or Mighty Hoopla, perhaps. Um, And also, uh, your favourites, I remember, the tweenies. Time to move on.
1: And we're on to track seven now Middle of Nowhere.
0: this is a great time to talk about the fantastic album artwork.
1: We've already done it, I'm afraid. Oh. I I quite like the change of a very relaxed, very, almost Balearic a little bit. It's a very very, uh, continental uh, musical song. Well, I have to
0: politely disagree. I'm a big fan of the album, I'm a big fan of the girls. If they are listening girls, I'd hate for you to take any offence to this, but... For me, it just doesn't really fit in with the album. I, I could quite believe them thinking that it was a mistake to put it on there themselves. And Lord Only Knows, who they drafted in, which kind of riffraff they drafted in to co-write this one.
1: So this was the one co-wrote with Brian Higgins. Oh. A man of a thousand pop bangers.
0: Not Zenomania's Brian Higgins. Yes. Goodness me. What a fool I am. It surprises me that you know we've spoken about Zenomania and Brian Higgins. For 20 plus episodes probably at some point uh, both huge fans of his work and it surprises me that his one co-writer on this is that is my least favourite track but here we are
1: Track number 8 now I love the way know what I think this is more of a disco in the vein of Spice Girls album track song Um, and more in the vein of chic yeah absolutely and I think it's a bit more of a powerful disco track yes which has the edge on um, don't step on my groove certainly got that fun guitar leading that one actually
0: Um, yeah I think it's a great song another one that I could well imagine if the girls were to do perhaps quite an intimate gig for the real super fans if that one came out I think I could see them Really having the time of their lives performing that. and
1: I know the perfect venue that would bring the perfect audience. Is it Under the Arches by any chance? No, the Royal Vauxhall Tavern just up the road from oh. Track by Track Towers. And you actually saw
0: quite an iconic band there. Yeah,
1: Books Fizz. Uh, well, they weren't called that then, it was just The Fizz. Yes. Um, but they put on a, an amazing show. Um, it was uh, The Two Lasses and Mike and um i think they were just a bit limited for space so rather than the dramatic skirt rip they kind of had more of a uncomfortable step out of a skirt it wasn't the the cleanest of uh, moves
0: i imagine it's to do with the space they had but also the vigor required to rip off a skirt yes
1: i mean the the Rocks, the Tavern is a fantastic space and venue but it gets packed out. It's hot as you like, and the mm. stage is quite small because it needs to be. Perhaps an, a new album launch there for the girls. We'd I, be there, wouldn't we? I'd be there like a shot. Yes. So we're rattling through them today, but track number nine awaits. And this one is "Love
2: Bite."
0: I've left the disco behind, and I think this is really back to the electronica of those first few tracks. Um, I'm a huge fan of this one, actually. I think it's very... One of those tracks that there's lots going on in there, and there's lots in the production, there's lots of layers. I can actually... I think there's a lot of 80s influence, but not necessarily the 80s that they touched upon back in the day. And it reminds me of... We mentioned Holly Blantz before, and it's actually the same producer again, Henrik Corpi. Um... Reminds me a little bit of "State of Mind" by Holly Valance.
1: Oh, so you've really opened a can of worms now. Oh, good lord! I'm just state that album, "State of Mind" by Holly Valance. A fantastic album.
0: Well, I'll be quite honest with you. I only know that song, and I think the single followed. Maybe it was a uh, a, a buzz track, if you will.
1: Um, I don't really know much more about it. To be honest. It had, you know, we, we may one day talk about it, but it was, you know, it was very much in, in the same. It was a very cohesive sound, like the first thing, like State of Mind was. Um, but it was brilliant. And it's another one, it's similar to Rachel Stevens' Come and Get It, as featured previously. But you kind of need to put your um, prejudices, prejudices aside um, and give it a go. Listen without prejudice, as George Michael
0: famously said. Absolutely. But also, surely, that's actually the mantra of this podcast.
1: Well, it is. When you think about, you know, we're doing Banana round this week. Um, we've got um, something very different coming up next week. Mm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I think we're very open to all good pop music. Certainly. And actually,
0: some of the, I think some of the fantastic feedback that we get is from people saying... They got into the podcast because they saw we were covering a certain album that they liked, and then they continued listening and they actually heard
1: stuff that they never knew or imagined that they'd like and the the, the little tidbit I'm just about to share is just the reason why people listen to this podcast so um there were a number of um sort of demo unreleased songs for this out al- for this album um and this is definitely um Appropriate material for this podcast. There was one of the tracks was actually written by Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe, aka Pet Shop Boys, and it didn't make it. Onto it the... didn't make it onto the album. Is it going to feature on the expanded edition? Well, that is something to find out when we have the, when we put the next track on. Actually, okay.
0: So, track number ten next, and the penultimate track on the album, because we're not going to talk about those two actual remixes that I think we're on the standard version, but it's not the right time or place. This is Rules of Attraction.
1: Another great one. I think what I love, I've often been very critical of the way some albums peter out towards the end, but I think that these last three tracks are for me real bangers. I
0: agree. I think this one continues from Love Bite. It's another '80s electronic influence number. Uh, the same writing team. So that's now had me thinking. Actually, I hope our old pal Henrique, Henrique Henrik. Henrik also appears on the new album because these last two songs have been pre- premium Bananarama,
1: I think, or premium modern day Bananarama. Um, a little bit more pared down, actually. There's not as not so much going on there. and It is more about the girls and, and the lyrics.
0: I actually really like it. I think it's musical. I think it's quite playful. There's a lot of drum breaks and kind of just musical breaks, and particularly um, towards the end as well, there's, there's lots... Yeah, I completely agree. Compared to Love By, there's less going on. But with what is there, there's, they're doing a lot with it.
1: Now, I've just while we were listening, I did some more research. It's nothing to do with Strictly, but One Way Street, the song that the Pet Shop Boys wrote for Bananarama, they actually offered it to Bananarama. So there is a demo in existence, and it has actually been published. So it's actually on Pet Shop Boys' uh, fundamental further listening. Um, and actually, I don't know if we can do this... Can we do this? Cook's shaking her head. <laughs> uh,
0: I could call down to reception to see if we're allowed to, if you like.
1: To, to play a short clip?
0: Why not? Driving
2: down street, you understand, are people there?
1: so I I quite like that
0: I think it's a great time to talk about the fantastic (laughs) album artwork it's quite difficult to imagine I think it doesn't sound like a terrible song at all but it's it's very interesting to me that Pet Shop Boys who were still huge at this time would offer Banana Roma a song who wouldn't put it on the album but having said that and hearing it it doesn't I can't actually hear it fitting on this
1: album I can imagine the girl seeing that Hmm. I mean, that's just a demo, isn't it? So it's not fully polished. So, well, just one for the archives there, but an interesting little uh, diversion to visit.
0: Well, I think you've opened a can of worms there. Goodness knows what else we're going to start playing in future episodes. <laughs> Do you want to put Holly Valance's full state of mind album on where I think. All right, all right.
1: Which I, I know it could be a slippery slope, mm. but just in terms of relevant content, a Pet Shop Boys penned demo for Banana is just sort of a mouth-watering treat that um, I just couldn't not stick on well if you don't mind I'd like to put drama back on so let's what con- fun
0: of li- is course of course a drama this album
1: <laughs> yes and the, the to-do we just had
0: mm.
1: track 11 now uh, this is the final track on the album this is Your Love Is Like a Drug Your love- Final track on the album there, also my favourite track on the album.
0: I have to be honest, I think that's my favourite track on the album as well. How often do we talk about the right way to end an album and quite a few albums we've talked about over this series haven't done it right and this for me is just the perfect way
1: to do it. Uh, so much energy, you can almost call it like high energy dance if you wanted to put it, in, put it into a, a, a pigeonhole, not mm. that I would want to because I think it's just a great, fast, punchy song yes and this is just quite a few elements there's the lead into the chorus there's the chorus itself uh, which are the most powerful parts and i love the fact the verses kind of build up towards that
0: yeah there's a few vocoded vocals in there as well have they been taking a leaf out of Cher's songbook
1: also uh a great piano in there yes a lovely riff on the the piano there as well it really is this i've said a a few songs
0: a few of the the more club dance bangers from this that I could really see fans enjoying the songs live, this one in particular. Although, Bananarama did
1: record a Christmas song, didn't they? They did, Baby It's Christmas, produced by Ian Masterson. Again. I like it. I like it.
0: (laughs) So that's the end of drama, but not the end of our drama.
1: No, um, because we've got some further listening as ever. And uh, I think... Basically, we want to talk, for further listening, anything from this era era, and the future era of Bananarama. Yes. So anything from drama onwards is our kind of rules and regulations for further listening today. Yeah. Should we say excluding the live album? Excluding the live album. So, Will, I'd love to
0: invite you to go first. What is your further listening track for this Bananarama episode? So, I think you know what I'm going to select. I've got a very... Do you want to try and guess it, or and as always, regular listeners will know we don't tell each other what our further listening choice is. It's a nice surprise. So, so what was,
1: do you think my further listening choice is going to be? I think yours is going
0: to be "Love Comes."
1: It is, which was from Viva, which was the subsequent um, full studio album that Banana Rama did. Um, and um, I'm just going to put it on. I'm going to stop talking about it. So, please it's do. Love comes. So Love Comes There. Um, Now that's a banger and a half.
0: Yeah, another banger. Obviously the first single from the album that followed drama. So because that was such a big, almost surprise hit, something big had to come afterwards. And this yeah really did do the job, I think.
1: And it's definitely a high energy pop song. I remember when it came out in 2009. I did say this album came out in 2011 earlier, so I apologise. It was 2009. Still four years after drama. And so,
0: this song, which is a bit of an eye-opener and a surprise for me, this song turns ten this year, later this year. Ten years old, blimey. Which I do remember the Viva album came out uh, during my first year of uni. I listened to some of the tracks, and particularly the song that I'm going to choose, in a few minutes' time, I played it quite a lot.
1: And this song, such as uh, the longevity of it for me and the energy, it's on one of my running playlists, so I do still listen to it really regularly because it's got a great uh, tempo to it. Um, that really helps power through a run. Um, uh, so it's the girls and Ian Masterson um, writing that as pretty much all, nearly all of the original songs on Viva, Viva Bananarama were. Dan, what have you got? Well, so interestingly Viva was initially going
0: to be a covers album um, featuring mainly disco covers, perhaps influenced from some of those disco tinge tracks we heard in drama. Um, it was decided by the girls in the record company that some of the original songs they were writing at the time were actually arguably, in their opinion, better than the disco songs they were covering so it ended up being a bit of an amalgamation of both. My song is not an original, it's not a disco cover either. Uh, this is featured on the digital edition of the album. It's a bit of a risk I'm taking because, well I love this, but Will, I'm not sure it's going to be entirely your cup of tea. This is the girls' cover of The Sound In of Slime. In
2: restless dreams I of cobblestone
0: The Bananarama covering Simon and Garfunkel.
2: Um,
1: and they just about pull it off. No, they do, actually. It's it's a lovely... Um, cause I'm just thinking about all the other tracks on this album, it's a lovely change of pace. It really is. I can see why they perhaps kept it as a, a digital-only track.
0: But for me, it is my highlight of the album because it's just... I think it really showcases actually harmony wise we I mentioned right at the beginning of this podcast that often they were just singing unison this time they are harmonizing a lot more it's they're putting their own spin on it they've um given a real kind of electro ballad thing whereas before of course it's a very stark acoustic track
1: anyway we're out of time such a shame um it's been a real treat actually, we've covered a lot um of banana rama related stuff
0: yes, have you got one more? Strictly update for us before we go, actually.
1: I haven't, I'm afraid.
0: Oh, I've got one. Yes. I do believe that Andrew Ridgely, of Wham fame, who was married to... Pepsi from Pepsi and Shirley? Sadly not, he was married to... Oh, that's Martin Kemp, sorry, yeah. Yes, you're, you're confusing your 80s icons and you're well within your rights, actually, but no. He was in a relationship with Karen from Banana Rama for many, many years, and... I did read that he was asked to go on Strictly various times, but politely declined.
1: I wonder how many other people have done the same thing.
0: Um, Did you ever used to watch either The Good Life or... It was Penelope Keith, I think it was, the actress. I did read that she'd been asked numerous times and turned it down.
1: But Felicity Kendall, obviously, also from The Good Life. she'd been on it.
0: Yes. It's one of those things now that's been, like I'm a Celebrity, it's been going on so long that... It's hard to remember who's been on it and who hasn't.
1: So that's it for Banana Rama. I look forward to their well. First of all, the reissues coming out um, in just a few days' time. I can't wait to hear some of those um, uh, B sides and some of those uh, remixes that haven't haven't been uh, been gathering dust somewhere. Um, so I've already got some pre-orders in. So that's exciting. Very exciting, and yes, please do
0: continue to. Subscribe to Track by Track so you don't miss what's coming next. Will, can you give us a hint of a tease of what's coming next week?
1: Oh no, can I just say, first of all, if you are enjoying the podcast and we've had some fantastic, continue to have fantastic comments and feedback, do rate us, please, on Apple Podcasts. And comment. And comment as well, because we'd love to hear more of what you're thinking. And if you rate us and like us, it's only going to increase the, the scope and the reach we have to other people as well.
0: Also, don't forget to let us know what you think about this episode and all the other episodes at MoveToTrashUK, hashtag track, by track.
1: And a hint of a tease now on what's coming up next week. So we're going back. I'm really loving that we're starting this year doing some absolutely classic bands. We've got Blondie, Scissor Sisters, yes. Bananarama, and next week's um group who are not from the uk uh, um had massive hits through the 80s and the 90s you're a massive fan
0: these are one of my favorite bands. these are what, probably one of my top three bands of all time they're still going strong after breaking up a couple of times along the way so to say anymore
1: yeah would be too. would be take would be giving it away
0: so until next time i've been chiffon Farhe,
1: and i've been jackie o'sullivan goodbye goodbye